Hi, I'm Brenda Darden Wilkerson, and welcome to another episode of Be The Way Forward. I am so excited to bring you today's conversation with the new CEO of Black Girls Code, Christina Jones. Here at AnitaB.org, we are fans and peers of the Black Girls Code community, sharing in the mission to close the gap and open doors for young girls in tech. Get these girls in those rooms. Get the girls in the room where the technology is built, decisions about technology are made, and the money to fund the technology is handed out. Um, And we do that by reminding these girls that they belong in the room counter narrative, like get out of your head that you don't belong in the room. Let's stop talking about, even though it's a fact that black people are leaving tech and there's not enough black people in tech, let's instead show them the vision of what it could look like if they were architecting our future the way it should be through an inclusive lens. Christina Jones was previously the chief engagement officer and chief marketing officer at salesforce.org. And now I am excited for our listeners to hear about Christina's new leadership goals at Black Girls Code and her plans for the upcoming year. Here's our conversation. Well, I am so honored that today I get to talk to, sit across from, look into the face of Christina Jones, who is the CEO of Black Girls Code. I'm so excited to have you here today. Christina, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Brenda. It's an absolute honor. I have been a fan of your work since I first started transitioning out of creative into tech, and one can only aspire to the impact that you've created. Well, I'm, I'm humbled. I'm humbled. And, you know, we, we have so much in common in the impact that we want to have. And that's why I think this conversation, I know this conversation is going to be so powerful. And I wanted our listeners to get to hear your story, hear the work that you're uh, embarking on, and then, you know, where you came from. And, you know, one of the things that I want to kind of start with is in your bio, it says that you are um, an intentional storyteller who yep. focuses on action, impact, and culture. So, you know, I'm going I'm just teasing that up. You know, we're going to get into that a little bit later. Uh, but what I would love is if you would start out with just, you know, telling our audience a little bit about yourself. Um, and, you know, you're about 90 days into Black Girls Code yes. and, you know, you know what that's like, what your plans are. But, you know, who is Christina Jones? Thank you. Uh, who is Christina Jones? That's a lot to unpack, but as it relates to the conversation today, I am a person who has been obsessed with story and the effects of story on people for the entirety of my career in film and entertainment, which is basically my entire career before I moved into tech. I firmly believe that storytelling can change mindsets. And what I, as my career evolved, I started becoming more really... Um, interested in technology and how technology can build deeper engagement with the fandoms, the communities that we wanted to reach in the film and entertainment space. And so I would say for most of my career, the impactful part, I would say, was where the tech and creative story um, intersected. That's where the change really started happening. That's when I started seeing that there was a need to have a different story, that there was a story that me and my fellow creatives in Los Angeles had not heard of. And that story was the gross lack of representation of Black people in tech. 
And equally horrifying was the way that stories of Black people were told in tech. And so with that, um, I got on a mission to change that. I wanted to focus on power. I wanted to focus on community. I wanted to focus on action leaders like yourself who are walking the talk. Everyone is talking about the fact that we need to make change. Everyone is talking about things are a mess. Not many people are taking a step to say, well, what can we do to solve it? And that is my focus, solving the lack of underrepresentation of our Black women in technology. Well, you know, I'm going to love all that, right? Because <laughs> um, I started out as a Black woman in technology. Yes. And, you know, and the funny thing is, I was in technology at the height of the percentage of women in tech. They were 30, it was 35% of tech were women. And funny enough, there was a point in time, there was just a sliver of time in there where there was just a little bit of uh, an increase of black women in tech because there was the thought that we could count for two things. We could count as a woman and as a black person. Mm -hmm. They got over that quick, though. Yeah. So (laughs) they got over that really quick. Um, And, you know, thank God uh, Kimberly Crenshaw came behind and started to talk about intersectionality. But really focusing on um, the stories about what it means to be a Black person in tech is a big deal. Later also, please remind me if I forget, I think that, you know, your previous career yes. has a lot to do, the, the the things that happen in Hollywood have a lot to do with people expect of normal folk anyway. So I feel like we need a sitcom about Black women running the, you know, being a dean at the education, they need to see us on the TV yeah. screen because they think that's real, right? But hey, we'll talk about that later. That's another project. No, so- it is. It, you're, <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. The last film we had was Hidden Figures. That was like 2016. And uh, yeah, I can, we can get into that. There's like a, a short that I'm currently obsessed with from the Martin Agency. Uh, they are retelling story tale, fairy tales and Now Upon a Time. The first girl is Ruby, and Ruby's studying JavaScript and has a little black girl's code hoodie on and saves her grandma from financial ruin. Um, these are the stories. Like, I we love need, it. We need these stories. We need, but I think our girls also need to see the stories of what success looks like when you work in tech. Uh, what I would love to do is see more people like yourself highlight, people like you know, our alumni who is teaching coding in our Build-A-Beat challenge. Um, and, you know, the good news is there's people that believe in this challenge. You know, that's Ciara, of course, joined our Build-A-Beat challenge to highlight technology and music. Um, what can we do to tell stories to show our girls that they belong in the room? What can we do to tell our girls stories that by leveraging technology, they can get closer to fields they're passionate about. That's right. my focus. How can we give them a taste of tech that makes them opt back in? So we get back to those numbers. Like what what happened? How do we start and just completely fall off and then have an uptick in them? Well, I, we could definitely get into that because I think those are issues that if they don't get solved and stay solved, we're going to continue to see that that 
up and down. And when we leave, it's a huge, not only an impact on us and our communities, our families, it's an impact on the companies. They, it's, you know, one of the things that, that, that I always like to talk about is this isn't charity. Well, these are smart people who bring experiences that make companies successful. So when we leave, <laughs> hello. I'm like, the inverse. It, 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 there is countless studies that show that, you know, more inclusive teams go right to your bottom right. line, right? Like people just don't want to pay attention for it. This is why I'm not a fan of traditional DEI practices where it's charitable work. I'm interested in showing impact work. I'm interested in showing the whole self of a person, not the trauma story that they had to sell in order to get the job so that they could not have the same access and seats at the table necessary to drive the actual change once they're in the corporation. And within that, like one of the other things that we're looking at at, B at BGC is not just expanding the age limit so that we can support our girls through their first job and wrap them in a community and curriculum and leadership training so that they know what they're walking into when they walk there. I'm also interested in the entrepreneurial track. What if we, we need to make sure our girls are in the room where the technology is built? We need to make sure our girls are in the room where the decisions about how the technology is used are made. Yes. But we also need to make sure our girls are in the room where the money is handed out to build the technology. Like that's a three prong that we need to be there. And all you have to do is look in the news, uh, what's going on with OpenAI, um, any of these tech companies, and just look at the voices and the faces Right. And it's obvious that there's an entire demographic missing. And how catastrophic is that when we consider that they are the ones building the technology of the future? Absolutely. I mean, when you think about the fact that there are so many problems out there, then there are people sitting right in the neighborhood, in the space, in in homes with ideas about how to address those solutions, how, how to come up with those solutions, because there are solutions for themselves. When you have people who have no idea of those problems, may never walk in those problems, have no have no respect for those who have those problems, creating the solutions or having the power to decide what you know to use some movie making parlance, uh, green light. Yes, yes, green light the projects and tell a different narrative. I remember when I worked in television, uh, they were wondering if 24 would work internationally because the president was Black, Dennis Haysbert. It was like, absolutely. In fact, uh, with the work that we did, Dennis Haysbert ended up traveling to basically every continent to play golf. And when we were overseas, people were like, hi, president. You know, like the reality is, is sometimes people have preconceived notions of past that are just not accurate. And that we could do a whole other podcast on storytelling and how that is affecting how we are today. But the reality is, is that I believe that the hardest notion to break is a preconceived notion, especially the ones that are made about yourself. And that's, that, that bothers me. That makes me think when I read the op-ed of Elijah Meganson, Elijah Meganson in the New York Times. And the title was that I don't want to sell my trauma to get into college. I wonder 
is that the other side of where the funnel is getting leaky? Is that where we are conditioning our youth to sell trauma, not strength, not skills, not creativity, not ambition, vision, but trauma to get scholarships, to get internships, to get hired by companies? What is the problem with that? I used to think from the hiring side, like, I want to hire somebody that is smart, creative, ambitious, has a great body of work, is really clear on what their value proposition is. But once you get in the room, and that's how you have gotten in the room, are you asking yourself, is that my value? Is my trauma why I'm here? And then is that why people are so easy to like get disoriented and leave the room? Like, you know, there's the pinkification that's, you know, girls in middle school are like, you play with dolls, you do science. But is this extra layer what's happening to our children? Well, there, there are several extra layers that, and I love that perspective. They're being used to get you in the room but they also take you out of the room. I love that. Right? I, that wow. I, I got to I got to think about that one a little more. That that's powerful. Woo, thank I've you for that. You I've been that stuck. That is powerful. That. Yeah. That is really powerful. Well, before we go much further cuz you yeah. know, we could we could talk. We this is just part 1. We're going to have part 1 and part 2 and part in for those of us for those I know, but for those who don't know, what what is Black Girls Code? And what does it have to offer to young women before we get going? <laughs> right. Black Girls Code has a single mission. We want to launch a million girls into technology by 2040. And I use the word launch for a while we were talking about place, but I say launch because you know, I sit there and think a lot like, is the biggest ambition to give girls keys to broken systems? Or should it be to help also accelerate their entrepreneurship? So I think we need all of it, but that's our mission. Get these girls in those rooms, get the girls in the room where the technology is built, decisions about technology are made, and the money to fund the technology is handed out. Um, and we do that by reminding these girls that they belong in the room, counter narrative, like get out of your head that you don't belong in the room. Let's stop talking about, even though it's a fact that Black people are leaving tech and there's not enough Black people in tech, let's instead show them the vision of what it could look like if they were architecting our future the way it should be through an inclusive lens and make it welcoming for them. Show them that technology is fun. Give them a taste of tech with things like we did with the Ciara Build a Beat Challenge. You know, like this, that challenge, that campaign had over one billion impressions. Like, so that's us showing like, hey, you like, you like music? Do opt into technology. Watch these videos, try it, and hopefully we can catch you and bring you into yeah. the funnel where we can, that's inspire, educate. Come to our in um, uh, live or virtual training sessions where we can teach you. Um, we are expanding our curriculum to be more expansive, to uh, progress so that once you will start understanding if you take different tracks 
what's your role you can expect to um, work in if you go through gaming, sports, music, um, and more leadership tracks. And finally, access. We are building out some pretty robust partnerships with technology companies around placement, but we are doing those with the understanding that we are teaching the girls that curriculum that is relevant to them, but also that when they hire our girls, there's internal C-level sponsorship to make sure that these programs don't fall through the cracks. Because that's where the, you know, we come in and then we leave and they replace you with someone else. And that's a sad diversity game, but that's not how we are going to change the numbers uh, that are in technology today. I'm going to get on my soapbox. Okay. True. I mean, I love it because we could talk about that all the way up the ladder. Right. Um, But, you know, also, so how old are these girls? We're starting at seven. Right when, you know, they start losing focus and start thinking like, this isn't for me. No, it is. We, in fact, just did a great family event in Seattle with Hasbro, sponsored by Hasbro. And it was amazing. We had like 150 to 200 kids come through. And we had a hundred of them participate in the coding who were the right age and seeing little black girls walking in like, we're excited to code. And then leaving, we want to come here every day for the rest of our lives. (laughs) Yeah. Not something you usually hear about coding. So, but also with the families, it was a family event, right? The little girls and little brothers who were there, I wonder if they saw that and I know that some did. They wanted to play as well. And that's what they should think about. Like technology in itself, building technology is creative. What is more creative than building whole worlds? That's right. You know, so one of the things that, you know, you you say that many times people will think that, you know, kids will get exposed to coding and and maybe they'll like it or maybe they won't or they won't be that interested in it. Won't they won't stay with it? Um, but what I saw in my own experience of working with with students, you know, all the way from four year old, you know, all the way through high school, of course, because that's where we started, was all they needed was a touch to know that it was something that they could do. Right? It's they didn't have to be convinced. It was the grownups that had to be convinced. They thought the kids wouldn't be interested. Right? Parents are just as much my customer as the girls. Like I need to convince the parents to bring the girls yeah. to give them the opportunity. There's like what I got emotional as I was doing opening remarks, looking at the little girls there. Cause I remember when I was thinking about this job, I was like, it, 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 I wonder if because of some of the work that we do, if we will be able to change the trajectory of some of these little girls' lives. Uh, but then when I got here, I realized that, wow, there's opportunity right now for our girls. You know, one of our girls who went um, to Afrotech on a scholarship from another one of our great donors, Next Era, goes to Yale and is in computer sciences and had never heard of Afrotech and was feeling very alienated in her classroom. She's the only one and feeling pushed out. And if she hadn't been a part of our community, would have never known of Afrotech. But she went, she got an internship. She actually was offered two internships and she wrote like a beautiful letter. And that's why, so that means we're not waiting for the seven-year-old to graduate. We're talking to someone in college right now who has the ability, who is in computer science, who can start moving that 2% number of Black women in science and engineering roles next year. That that number, though, right? 
awful. It's awful. And and there's so many ways, and you've spoken to it a little bit earlier, that I feel like we could even widen the net more. Yes. Uh, one of the challenges, I think, especially, um, well, I, I guess all the way up through college is that there still is this misperception that it's either or. You're either in tech or you're in this other thing. And that's not really the case because tech touches everything. And so, you know, if you're in the biological sciences, you know, the the tech that is revolutionizing that work um, is, is part and parcel of the success that they've had. And so having a love for that and understanding the tech really is not only another career path, it's another place of innovation. So we have the ability to reach out and and help it be even stickier for our young women by helping them know. Because I know sometimes I would have conversations with them, they're like, well, I really want to dance. And so, okay, we had one of our Abby Award, we have awards, Abby Award winners, and one of our student Abby Award winners um maybe five or six years ago, now has a business called STEM from Dance. And so she was a math teacher and she saw, uh, actually she was she was an engineer, but then she got a chance to teach and she saw girls be bored with math. And she thought, if I, if I teach them the connection between math and dance, it'll be stickier for them. And she's having a rage success. She's in New York. And so I, I think that's another place where, you know, with, with the challenge that you had with Sierra, you showed them that they could make music, they could make video, they could do things that they're interested in, and we need them to innovate in those areas. We, I mean, Netflix is a technology company that delivers content, right? Right. Like, right. I mean, you know, what is music production? Um, I'm I, quiet because I'm obsessed with the story you just told and would love if you could connect me. Oh, Absolutely. We were talking to Alvin Ali when I was at my last job trying to figure out like how to put together a connection between technology and dance. Um, and there it is right there. I would love to continue that conversation. Oh, absolutely. And Yamali uh, Toussaint is her name. Yamali. An amazing, brilliant engineer solving, you know, stepping into that gap because that's what we do, right? Yep. So I feel like with these tools, we're giving our students, our our young women, the tools they need to actually fill that gap and then also uh, uh, have that economic mobility as well. So I'd love to hear you speak more, more to that. And I, I'm totally off script, so I'm sorry. I just... I'm just no. enjoying. <laughs> no, this is perfect. This is my favorite thing. It is um, the stories that we tell, the stories that we tell girls. When I was in film, uh, I reported to the chairman. I launched franchise development. I got obsessed with technology. I was no longer inspired by the marketing we were talking about. And I wanted to focus on the building 32, which was the tech building versus building 88, which was where films were made. And when they created that role for me, which was bridging the gap between tech and creative, because I had shown that it was a viable business, we were uh, starting to secure money from our tech partners to build franchise engagement platforms before people were talking about fan engagement. This is like 2013, 14. Um, my friends were like, oh my God, if they moved me into IT, I would quit. You're smart, like good for you, but I would like, like that's so disrespectful. I was like, no. I asked for it. I asked for it. And I loved it. 
And my role was bridging the gap between tech and creative so that I wouldn't be the only one in the room that would talk about how we could leverage tech to build deeper engagement with our fandoms, build community, et cetera. There's that usual disconnect. IT is like, oh, problem, we're going to make a solution for it. And creatives are like, you didn't ask us how we wanted to solve this problem. We're going to keep using our Excel spreadsheet. I was brought in to kind of bridge that gap and show them also what else. That, of course, led to my next job, but I haven't looked back and I, I, I love it. I just was talking to a friend that still works in film last spring and she didn't know what chat GPT was. And it, I was like, I got more work to do. <laughs> got more work to do. <laughs> oh, there's lots of work. There's lots of work. There's lots of work. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I just kind of want to double click on the, the creative piece. When we were first launching or even thinking about CS for All, even before we had named it, right, um, we were just going around finding the willing yep. who would give us a shot at putting computer science in classrooms for their kids. And we actually had to create teachers because in Illinois, there was no CS credential and computer science was only in those like five, you know, those schools, right? Those schools that yes. had the money, could do what they wanted, and they would find themselves some CS teachers. And so we actually, as we started to make this, to democratize it, because if it's going to be for all, we got to have lots of teachers. We had to actually start out by creating them. We had to go and take existing teachers and put them through a, a set of trainings to at least get them started on the base level. And you would have thought that, that would have been the most logical teachers would have been math teachers and science teachers. But guess what? It was not. It was the music teachers and the art teachers. Wow. They were the most energetic. They got it because, like you said, it's that creating something from that one thought or that one note or that one idea. That's really what that's what, that's what programming is. <laughs> yeah, it's not running playbooks, right? It's right, right. Building whole. That's why I think young men are drawn to it because it's just like a natural extension of games. I don't know, and like world building. But world building, to your point, is also great for any creative. Again, like seeing the light bulb go off on a little girl's head when she coded something and her little spaceship took off. I could spend my whole day, every day, reliving that moment. But we got work to do. We have work to do. But I want to say something about that little girl. She's never the same again. No. Because she has discovered, and many times she is getting to replace notions that have been imposed, that she has the power to create something from scratch. You know, we kind of come in the world like that, but the... You know, education, and I was an educator, can educate you out of that. Again, that's like when we put the kids on like different paths. And, uh, you know, I think they're starting to change a little bit about of that. And I see it in storytelling, you know. Um, but it's not enough and it's not happening quickly enough. I think we still have a long way to go. But when it's almost immediate. So why not try it? My thing with all of this is like, why not just try it? Yeah, make an effort, take a class. You know, people think that the only way to a tech job is through a four-year um, computer science degree. That's not the case anymore with the way that college, the way that the business is going. Uh, computer science degrees will always be very important, but there's also other paths to tech. 
Um, I did not come through a computer science degree. I'm a storyteller. I'm a brand architect. I'm a marketing executive. I am a world builder. Like, but my focus in the technology space is telling a more inclusive story so that more of us come into technology. I like to say my role before was humanizing the conversation around technology. People say humanize technology, and that's not accurate. Tech is what tech does, but humanizing the space, you know, when you write a job description and you're hiring rock stars and ninjas, who's applying? Right. <laughs> I love that. We have a, a program, a partnership that we're launching with the university around linguistics to talk about just that. What do we have to fix around language to get mm. our girls back? Mm -hmm. You know, we have a program called Code Along and, you know, and they challenged me on some of the language in it and they were right. You know, uh, if you already don't think that you're something's for you, but someone's on the screen telling you you're brilliant, but you don't make it through the first time, like, are you alienating them? So you will see that we will have much more inclusive and intentional language so that we can pull these girls in and maintain them through the funnel because like that little girl that the light bulb went off, I need to make sure that I stay connected to her through middle school, high school, college. So at some point someone doesn't interject and tell me that that's for nerds. I'm like, and there are lots of opportunities for that. There's so many opportunities. If I have to say, one of the things that made the work that we did around CS for All a success is that we made it sexy. We we like denerded it, you yeah. know. Uh, we made it so that you know, and 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 we made it so that everybody could see themselves in it. We one of my favorite T-shirts we made said, "This is what a computer scientist looks like." Yes. and I wear it to this day, and it's so funny because I, you know, I'll be I'll be boarding a plane, and, and somebody will look at the T-shirt and they'll look at me and they'll look at the T-shirt and look, <laughs> there's still this thing. I'm like, yeah, true. <laughs> It's it is me, right? It is the fact. Yes, this is the face of what technology yeah. looks like. <laughs> yeah, and should look like. And so it is it is a it is an ongoing thing, which is why as you quoted that percentage, that 2%, it's not because that's not a ceiling. There were more, but they've cycled out. They cycled out. So now I want us to switch over to the storytelling part. What is the story behind that? That's the that is the work with the university. That is the preconceived notion about yourself, the voice in your head, the voices of people around you telling you that it's not for you. That's that story of Elijah who stopped selling his trauma to get into school. And that's the story, unfortunately, that people love at the keynotes at the tech keynotes, right? It's the one that's the rags to riches. It's the tech is the great white hope saving black people. Black people are saving themselves and everyone by entering into the conversation. Uh, you know, like that is where we need to be more intentional with the way that we tell stories. We need to highlight strength. The best gift you can give yourself is to understand what your value proposition is. I can't dance. I am tone deaf. 
And I may not be the most athletic person in the room, but <laughs> I'm very smart. I'm very smart and I'm very creative. And I, you call me when you want to make a change. When you want to rip up your playbook, you call me. I will build something new. Mm. What's your value proposition? So powerful. Nothing about where I came from. That's not relevant. Like, right. yes, we've all had challenge backgrounds in some way or another. I, we moved overseas when I was a young girl. I had to learn a, a, English is actually my second language. Um, that meant that I was, um, I had a lot of challenges. I was by myself a lot. So I lost myself in story world. Um, you know, we moved a lot, so I didn't have a lot of friends. So books became my friend. Um, that really has nothing to do with what I'm doing right now, except that, you know, I find that story can affect lives and um, build change. Right. And, you know, the, the other thing I, I also want to mention is why does it have to be that we tell a trauma story to be valid? And what happens to people who don't have them? Because we've heard the story about people making this stuff up, certain folk, making <laughs> making this stuff up to, to get over. Um, but that says something about the system. And so how how can story change the system? Right? Because these issues are sy systemic. Right. By highlighting who we are, just like anybody else. I want people to get used to doing the work. It's not about the trauma. It's not like if you are from a disenfranchised community, what is your superpower in school? What is your athletic ability? Like, I don't like the fact that we are trading trauma for access because the access is nebulous at best. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's real. It's not tangible. You get in, but you don't advance. You you need to know what your value proposition is in order to advance and you need to be able to clearly articulate it. And I know I've said that a couple of times, but it's really interesting to me. Um, I love this woman that I've worked with for a long time. Her name's Joanna Bloor. Her that's her whole thing is like, what's your value proposition? It's really funny when she goes around the room asking people what they do. And they're basically either a, you know, billboard for the job, but it's never about who are you. Yes. And you need, who are you and what value do you have to add to the organization, to leadership, to a VC fund? Are they looking, like, what's your idea? What's your creativity? What are the things that you can offer that is different from anybody else? It has nothing right. to do with your background. It's the cycle, you know, and again, that's the system and the cycle and all of that so deep and and you know it it it's it, the story comes from the majority of what you hear over and over and over and over again it's sort of like you talked about the pink versus the the science you know if you hear that that's what you're supposed to to be wearing or if you go to the store and that's what's on your side of the where it says girls then that's what you're hearing and that opportunity to be different just as an example you know, that opportunity to be different, maybe it's one note that somebody plays for you. But it's interesting how that stands out. And I feel like that's one of the things that Black Girls Code is doing 
for those girls is it's giving them some different music to listen to yes, than what yes. they hear everywhere, maybe at home, at school, wherever else, you know, they, they're around the people who have the power to tell them stories. So I wonder, so here's one of, one of the things I would love to, to know uh, about how, how can we do this? So like I worked in tech my whole career, but I worked in the Midwest. I was never offered any stock. I didn't even know that was a thing. And there are students who, you know, we're pushing <laughs> into this pipeline, right? Yeah. Giving them that start. So they're going to go for it. What is what is this subset of things that we also can be teaching them to be aware of so that when they get into these opportunities, they leverage them to the hilt? That's that workforce development conversation. That's the leadership training. We are going to be cha- uh, teaching financial literacy um, I come from uh, working in tech. We have people on the board of Black Girls Code who are corporate strategists. Are we haven't announced it yet, um, but our financial advisory committee is insane. We are going to make sure that our girls know what to ask for when they get to the table. You know, so I, great. Wonder, <laughs> I wonder. Um, you know, Shirley Chisholm used to talk about if there's not a seat, she's pulling up a folding table. But I would like to challenge that nowadays she would not be happy with a folding chair. She would want a whole dang seat or she would be making new tables. And that's what we want to do at Black Girls Code. We want to build actual seats, real seats, so our girls have a voice at those tables, in those rooms, and the ability to build the tables to pull up more seats because the real change happens when there's more of us in the room. The problem when there's one Black person in the room, it's not easy. I can tell you it's not easy. And you have a whole other host of rules and duties that are foisted upon you that you weren't ready for. Um, but what if there's like a lot of us? What if there's, you know, it's me, you, someone else, and we are in alignment? And we start having a conversation that um, starts breaking down some of these old tropes and we understand the value of it. Um, and then just because some people at the table leave and go on their hikes or do whatever they do on the weekend together because they live in the same community doesn't mean that when we come back on Monday that things have changed because we are still in alignment. Right. <laughs> because there's enough of us to have a voice and that that's what really needs to change the Getting one girl a seat at a time is not enough. Um, we do want to partner with other organizations that are looking to solve the same. This is not, you know, the the case study that we're going to do with the university is not going to be proprietary to BGC. It's something that I want to open source it, make it available to anybody so that when they start talking about girls, technology, black people, brown people, maybe they consider using some of this language. Um, I was, I paused in my tracks when they said something simple to me, like, think about when you say, you know, girls are just as smart as boys at math, you are inferring that boys are smarter than girls at math. And it took me a whole day to recover from that, to think about what am I saying? (laughs) What am I saying? And as we like, one of our big initiatives for 24 is to push out more digital content so that we can reach more girls um, where they are. I'm going to make sure that that language is 
intentional. Yeah. Language, I don't think, obviously, you are doing this project, so you get it. And, you know, you've worked where language has been critical. But I think most people don't realize just how critical the words we use, the phrases we use, the way we say things, the inflection that we give certain things, how impactful they are. Because they'll say, well, I only said, or, I, you know, I didn't mean it that way, but <laughs> they hit like a blow and they and and the 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 impact is indelible in many times. So I, I really applaud the effort to address it and then to share it with the rest of us because we all we all we all were swimming in the same dirty water. Yes. So we all got something to fix here. So <laughs> nobody's got it perfect. I think I we all and we all have stories of strength and stories of resilience and power. I was working with this nonprofit called Pep Up Tech. They have a mission to put to create a pipeline to get black people into technology. And when I was working with the founders, I had to really work with them to say, like, you don't always have to be smiley. You don't always have to be like, you are some bad <laughs> you are driving uh-huh. the change. Like let's look like that. Uh, let's look like that. Let's tell your story, the real story. And show people how smart they are to engage with an organization that is creating this pipeline that they desperately that need. they desperately need, right? So, what would you say is the what is your biggest goal that you have in the, in this new role? I want for these girls to see it for themselves. I want to change the face of tech. We can do it. Like, look at the numbers that you achieved in Chicago. Like, we need to make sure that we capture these girls before they fall out the funnel. We need to make sure that the girls, we will make sure that the girls see themselves represented in the room. The girls have to be in the room. But first, they need to believe that they belong in the room. And I want them to see what it looks like being in that room. Uh, We are, you know, also going to make sure that our instructors look like them we are working with a learning platform to build out additional curriculum uh, featuring our alumni so that we can start giving them an opportunity to do the work and get paid and see what it, this girl uh, at the event in Seattle, we, because of our sponsor, we had a lot of toys uh, when it was over. And so we packed them up in a tote and to get them, they had to, you know, make their ship fly and uh, do a little survey and the survey, get, the survey gets stamped and then you hand it. And I loved it when you walked in, it said black girls show up. But on the flip side, it said black girls receive. That's where you go to get your tote. And she went and she turned in her little sticker and they said, you finished everything? She said, yep, I did it all. They were like, congratulations, high five, high five. And they gave her her little tote and she flipped her hair and walked out. And I was like, that, <laughs> will that stay with her? Will she remember that feeling of not just making something, but also like, like getting rewarded for some, like something that was in her brain. She made mm-hmm. it and she left. And like, that was like her little first paycheck. I remember when I got my first paycheck, <laughs> like and yeah. you can get some big paychecks doing that. I want more of that. And I want to capture our girls in high school. We'll be doing, you know, because of Epic Games, we'll have hardware 
that runs Unreal Engine. So we will be able to, for our in-person training, uh, teach girls curriculum from Epic Games on how to build games. Like, let's not just be consumers, right? Let's be creators. Let's be entrepreneurs. Right. And let's create out of our own ideas. You know, it's I even see that I can still see, you know, how you start out out of your training when you do something, when you're writing that paper, writing that proposal, that that, you know, business plan, you start out of that that template. And then as you work through it, you're like, okay, there's more of me that comes in, more of what I want, more of what I meant, more of what I want to see happen, come out of it. And there's this opportunity for that development that will bring the richness for the rest of their career. First of all, if you're starting with somebody at seven. Yes. Right. And and the fun part about what we do, and I'm going to want to ask you that, too, is, you know, tell me tell me a couple stories about some of the things that you've heard about, you know, girls who started and and then and went on to do other things. Like I could tell you there are students who had behavioral problems and, you know, slept in class or didn't come to class. And when we introduced, you know, in some schools because, you know, we were under resourced, we'd have to say coding day. Yes. And 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 the you know, some of those administrators and counselors had pushed back. They were like, our kids can't do that. They don't want to do that. It's not going to be important. And so we had to, like, really push to get it in there. And then they have to come back and say, that's the day that all the kids come to school or (laughs) so and so used to be a behavioral problem and and is not anymore. So and so used to sleep in class because sleep says boredom to me. That's what I mean, it unless is. there's actually unless they're actually tired, there's a reason for them to be tired, and there are situations like that. But sleep, you go to sleep when you're bored. <laughs> they're not being challenged. Uh, right. For Black Girls Code, our classes are now waitlisted. Um, you know, our only challenge is scaling. You know, that's where like donations from our sponsors is critical, so that we can expand cities, do more in-person, more virtual. My dream is to have always on engagement. Of course, I'm a film executive, but I want to have always somewhere where they can go and always be learning. The way that we teach is relevant to them. The people who teach look like them. You know, the stories we tell are reminiscent of their community. We want to build the community. And so we are making sure that we're bringing forward the languages that are relevant to the jobs, the curriculum from the companies that are leveraging, you know, that want to engage with our students. They're actually going to learn how to use the software of the tech companies. And then on the flip side, you know, it's like when we place them with the brands, it's, well, they already know the curriculum from the technologies. I mean, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, but it's just not happening. And it's like, okay, okay, uh, d- there's a, a disconnect somewhere. Again, when people are making decisions in rooms where there's no representation to raise the hand to say what you said, wait a minute. The- <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> right. Why are we doing yeah. this? You know? And it's it's like one of the phrases that we always talk about around, um, you know, Grace Hopper, around the Grace Hopper celebration is, you know, the most dangerous phrase in the English language is we've always done it this way. Because most of the reason for doing stuff that doesn't make sense is because we've always done it this way, you know, and especially in tech, that makes absolutely no sense. That's my kryptonite. You remember I told you, (laughs) you don't call me if you want to do more of the same. You call me if you want to make change. And so when I hire me to do that, but then you say, that's not how we do it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Implosion occurs, right? 
Yeah, I, I so feel you. But I still want to hear. Can you you want to tell our listeners of of, of a, a story? Tell tell us about a girl. You know, make let's make this. We always want to hear about those the people who are being impacted by the amazing program that you put together here. Well, I told you a little bit about the girls that were in Seattle, and of course we have the girl um, that is in Yale who didn't know about conferences like Afrotech and are going to be very intentional in building out our engagement with the HBC communities, but also all colleges, right? Where like the story's not there. Um, we have our alumni, uh, Cadence um, is the one who is teaching the Build a Bee Challenge with Ciara. It's hard to pick one story because the cumulative number, like the impact is insane. And I've only been here 90 days and I'm still drinking from the fire hose and I am a storyteller, right? So like, as the stories come in, I'm just like, yes, what you will see, what I can tell you is what you will see, what you are seeing reflected on our pages is uh, we don't have grayscale, like our girls are in full color because that's, we're beautiful. Um, or stories of the girls themselves and the technology that they're creating um, one of our winners just won the scholarship from Roblox for building a game that was a beauty supply store. And one of the obstacles was, you know, stretched weave hair. And it sent me an echo hair oil, like, <laughs> like echo gel. And it was just like, like our girls are so creative. I'm just like, I, I don't have like that one, one story except for the ones that I can tell you that I experienced in Seattle the girl getting the bag when she left the girl who wants to come every day until she dies <laughs> but I also know that there's BGC alum who have launched websites who are who are making money while they're in high school so hopefully their college experience will not be as tight as some of the other ones um, and I hope to have I hope to have more I hope that I hope that we have a second conversation and I can give you a Absolutely. novella, a novella of girls <laughs> who are driving real change. And maybe we can have you hear from them yourself. That would be great. I Deal. We'll, that's a date. We'll have to set that date because we want to showcase the people who are doing, who who are different from the stories that we hear. Yes. Which has always been, right? I I'm... Great. Going great. Uh, wow. You know, I've been doing this a long time. We were there. We were there. Let's get we were back doing there. things, right? So th this image, and I would say this as a, you know, leader of a women in tech organization, women have been there. I found a picture of a woman wiring uh, an IBM computer. I saw that picture. You saw that? Right. Well, all the wires. I'm like, why is it they we're not breaking into anything? That's, that's why what I, I want the story. <laughs> yeah, that's why I intentionally said, like, intentionally said, I want to remind the girls. Yes. That they, I'm not yeah. telling them, like, this is a new thing. I'm reminding them that they belong in the room, that the opportunity is there for them to take and, and, and go for it. Try it. Right, because your mothers, grandmothers, great grandmamas, great aunties, you're standing on their shoulders. They already did it, and so we have to like block that 
that story that tells us we can't and that we're breaking in because breaking into something takes a whole different mental energy that when you know you have it, that's why that's, that's the attack on history right now. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. Don't tell them they ever did anything because then <laughs> they'll have that to stand on. Right. And I, what I love is that you're giving them that foundation to stand on so they can launch. So they can launch. So they can launch. The story of our history yeah. is powerful. We did. Yeah. In my old role, we did a partnership with The Atlantic called The Inheritance Project, where we focused specifically on uh, the leaders in the community. I, I, there's just not enough stories about that. And, it, and my focus was, of course, the people who were using tech to drive change in their communities. There's a whole lot of us, but not enough of us. And we need to really get into the spaces where the tech is being built and the decisions are being made. And also repetition is key in the room where the money is given to build the technology. I, I can't stress that enough. What if we start building entrepreneurs at seven? Oh, and listen, in my experience, when we had schools, when we got that stuff into the schools first, it was at the high schools. We had our high school entre entrepreneurs. We got to the middle schools faster yep. were the middle, you know, because they just don't have, they haven't had those years of people telling them what they can't do yet. And then they just got younger and younger. So I believe you're obviously Black Girls Code is doing it. Um, I'm so proud. And any way we can be of support, we have to work together yes. uh, to amplify. And so I got two questions for you. Yes. Uh, number one, um, is there, we always like to try to give, if you have it, a shout out to any founder that you have in your head could be doing anything you know some founder who's doing amazing things because we also like as you even said we want people to be creating companies creating solutions so we always like to give a, a shout out to the founder and so while you're thinking about that the name of this program is be the way forward yes so what what thought or inspiration can you leave with our audience on how they can be part of the solutions that we're talking about. In order to be the way forward, that I love the premise of your podcast. It's what I talk about a lot. It's to be an action leader. It is to be someone that is driving change, not talking about change. For girls, invest in yourself, believe in yourself, try this. Just try it. Take a class. Try it. For parents, invest in your children. It's the well, right now it's the holidays, but anytime, encourage them instead of just scrolling through social media. Check out one of these classes. They're online. They're free. Take them to a live one. It's free. It's for them. And you know, I would love to hear from them when they go what the experience is. I love seeing how many dads. And grandparents and aunties brought the girls to the event in Hasbro. It's not just on the mother's shoulders to do everything. And two companies just do better. Hire inclusively. Stop playing games. It, <laughs> Stop it's, playing it's, games. <laughs> you win by doing this, right? This, it's not charity. It's not charity. Charity. Like, look at the numbers. Like, stop looking at it as a nice to have. Look at it as a must have. If you have learned nothing is that people now are voting with their dollars. They want to see what the leadership looks like. You can't keep just 
you know, Black History Month, make a t-shirt, hashtag ally, make a post, launch one cancel campaign after another. I mean, it's old, like do better, hire inclusively, you know, work with inclusive agencies. Uh, Don't try to be the voice in the room for the people that aren't there. Put the actual person in the room. I got on a whole soapbox. Um, I am and continue to be obsessed with the two nonprofit foundations that I did tell you about. Um, One was launched by Selena Suarez, Shauna Hughes, Reba De La Paz, and Steph Herrera. Pep Up Tech. Um, And uh, the other is the Downtown Boxing Gym program in Detroit. Uh, Those are people that I encountered early in my journey into technology, and I really see the change that they're driving. Um, And of course, the work that the AnitaB.org, again, like this was the first organization that when I moved into tech, I asked to come to one of the conferences because I was like, oh, there's, there are some people because there weren't a lot of people in the building I was working in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right so yes. let's, let's create let's create more space where yeah. there's more of us and uh, what would be great is to connect the dots to have like a really robust community so that we can support each other through these times there's enough space for everyone there's enough Amen. pie for everyone there is there is and and when there's when we get more of the pie there'll just be more pie it's 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 a virtuous cycle. It's not a zero-sum game. Well, Christina, I have enjoyed our time together. This is our first time. This is the first time. And I'm honored that Christina Jones would spend time with me today. Thank you so much. Go out and check out Black Girls Code. They're banging it up over there, doing amazing things. And, uh, I just can't wait to see what the future holds for you. Only 90 days in. 90 days. Uh, we got to keep this going and yep. we'll be checking back real soon. Okay. Thank, thank you. you so much. It was an honor to join. Thank you. I want to thank Christina Jones once again for speaking with me on today's episode. Now, if you enjoyed our conversation, then please follow Be The Way Forward wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can also watch video episodes of this podcast on the AnitaB.org channel on YouTube. For more on how you can be the way forward, head on over to AnitaB.org. Be the Way Forward is produced by Dominique Ferrari and Paige Heimsen. Sound design and editing by Neil Ines and Ryan Hammond. Mixing and mastering by Julian Kwasniewski. Associate producer is Faith Krogalecki. Executive produced by Dominique Ferrari, Stacey Book, and Avi Glajanski for Riveter Studios and Frequency Machine. Hosted and executive produced by me, Brenda Darden-Wilkerson for AnitaB.org. Podcast marketing from Lauren Passell and Ariel Nissenblatt with Riveter Studios and Tink Media in partnership with Carolyn Sneller and Coley Boucher at anitab.org. For more ways to be the way forward, visit anitab.org.